0: Earthlings, this is Dan Panic, and you have entered the dummy room.
1: This is the big time, girly. This is rock and roll.
2: <laughs> this, party. this is the happiest day of my life. Hey, pizza! <laughs> you're immature. You can't do a single thing by yourself. You're a spastic nerf bag all the time.
3: You guys are not that dumb.
4: Hey, everybody! You're in the dummy room. I'm Jody. Have not joined as always by Mr. Nate Deibel. What's up, Nate Debble?
0: Not much, man. Uh, I'm doing really good. Freezing my ass off up here in Wisconsin. And uh, we've got another guest tonight, uh, uh, Mike Byrne from, uh, of course, uh, the Methodones. How's it going, Mike?
3: Good. How you guys doing? I'm freezing my ass off too here in Chicago.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Actually, it, it might be it might be colder. It might be colder up you in Wisconsin. Maybe I don't know. How is it? How cold is it up there?
0: Uh, minus twenty three, right Ooh, now. No,
3: we're minus fifty right now.
4: Was that wind chill or actual temp?
3: That, that's wind. That's wind chill. So okay. we're probably the same. Probably. I think it's minus twenty five. We're at. Jesus. Yeah. So then, like, you. Know, I put this way. In my apartment, there's actually ice on the inside of the windows.
4: Dude, I got that on my but like outer. door.
3: I got door. that on my door. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> like when I was walking my dog today, even like the buildings are cracking. So when you're walking outside, you just hear cracking. And, like the the house is just kind of like just buckling.
4: That's crazy, wow. man. Yeah, last night I was got off work and had to wait on this train for like 20 minutes, dude, and it was like maybe negative 20 with the wind chill. Oh, man. Dude, it was so cold, my fucking teeth were hurting. It was crazy. Oh, I
3: bet. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I took my roommate's car just to warm it up today, and like the, the what do you call it, like the the low tire pressure thing came on. So I'm like, oh, shit. So I went, I went to the gas station to pit air in the tire. And I took my gloves off to take the little cap off. Yeah, I swear to God, I'd never felt pain like that in my life in my hands. I I thought I got frostbite at first. That's how bad it was. Damn. And I was out there for not even like five minutes. Like
4: flash frozen and shit.
3: Yeah. Luckily, work I I work got canceled today and tomorrow, so it's kind of like having a free weekend right now. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice snow day. Yeah. When I left work tonight, um, the inside door was uh you know it was like condensation on there. Yeah. Uh-huh. So so my hand got wet. And then oh. when I walked out, I, I turned around it to, and I checked the door handle to make sure it was locked. And my hand, you know, stuck to it real quick. <laughs> oh and I got that frostbite feeling. And I pulled my hand off and I was like, fuck, you know, it, it actually hurt. so Oh,
3: it's, it's terrible. Like it stings. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. the part here in Chicago is, is like everything's closed restaurants so it's kind of weird you go outside there's no traffic there's no i mean it's like it's like a ghost town. it's literally a ghost town in chicago right now which is it's kind of cool in a way because no pun intended but like (laughs) i mean you know i live in an area where there's a lot of bars and restaurants and nothing's open right now
0: wow and that's why you're with us tonight.
3: Exactly. Here. I'm, in, I'm in, a, <laughs> in a semi-warm apartment with my dog sleeping in my bed on me. And, yeah, talking to you guys. This is the, the happiest I've been all day right now.
0: <laughs> right on, Mike. Awesome. Yeah, so hell of a weather report we have here tonight. But <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> it's fucking cold. And yeah. tomorrow's supposed to be worse, up here at least. Tomorrow's a yeah, bad day.
3: To, same thing here. It's supposed to be pretty bad. But then tomorrow around noon, they said temperatures start rising a little bit so it's supposed to break at some point here at least so by friday and but and sunday it's gonna be almost 50 degrees here on sunday yeah so i mean which is weird because a lot of pipes will probably burst because it's so cold and it gets so warm (laughs) that things are so it's gonna be it's gonna be just nuts here
4: (laughs) damn i didn't even think about that
3: you probably know pete who played bass in the methadones yeah he he works outdoors at his job and I, and I all they say it's all I can think about. I'm like, oh, poor Pete, having to be outside in this weather. I can't imagine having to be outside for more than 10 minutes in this weather.
0: Yeah, it's pretty brutal, dude. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, so, um, anyways, enough with the weather. Dummy Room Weather, brought to you this week by Hot Products, makers of the sweet and sour
4: rainbow gummy cock pop. But let's not forget the vibrating freshman fuckhole masturbator or the sultry vibro pussy. Get yours today!
3: Dangerous weather across the country as life-threatening cold gets ready to move in.
0: Uh, Before we get into it, um, did you guys hear that uh, the new Masked Intruder song came out this week? Yeah, dude, I heard it.
3: Yeah, I I heard part. I not like I saw something today online. Is there a, is it a video or just a song was
0: released? Just just a song.
3: A good, really it's catchy it's good stuff
4: yeah yeah it sounded pretty good i liked it better than the uh, no case on me one that, a couple weeks ago yeah definitely i like that one too though so it's weird that they it seems like it came out really quick they already got two singles and the record is not yeah. out for another well, month they, or
3: two yeah they just played like they just played two shows in chicago here earlier this month they did a new year's eve show with naked ray gun and Mm-hmm. Then they opened for Alkaline Trio a few days later. I I, I didn't I missed both shows, but um, but yeah, it seems like they're you know they they've been. It they actually played a really odd show this summer. Like in summer we in Chicago we had the you know the, the street festivals. Every every right. neighborhood's got a street festival, and it's really River River North is a real like ritzy area in Chicago, and they hired Mask Intruder to play their street festival, which I thought I mean which was cool, but it was a really weird to have them play like a street festival that doesn't really have punk bands play <laughs> but it's kind of cool that they did it though yeah
4: totally hmm. i'm excited for that new record it'll be good
3: When it, when is it is it out now or is it coming I out i think
4: it comes out march what was it 15th nate
0: something like, something that, something yeah. like that yeah no no it wasn't no that's vapid's record oh comes up i think I'm it's march confused. 1st maybe yeah so
4: sometime Sometimes yeah, sometime in the future, in the, yeah, coming up soon.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, Jody, last night I get a message from Mike, and um, he messaged me to let me know that he got banned from Facebook for twenty-four hours for posting that picture of a, a nude Ben Weasel. <laughs> that's <so> crazy. <laughs> I,
3: I got such a laugh post.
0: out of that. Yeah, I mean,
3: I could. That's the first time it's ever happened to me, and I'm try, I mean, I, and I posted much worse stuff before. That's the ironic thing. I'm like. Really, that's the one thing. That, I mean, and it's a grainy photo. It's not like it's a clear photo or anything like that. And it's like, and like, and it, it, they, Facebook even gave me a chance to plead my case. You could, you could appeal your ban. So yeah. I'm like, I'll just appeal and see what happens. They, I mean, they even said in the appeal, he goes, you know, most of them never get turned out, turned around. But I'm just like, listen, I go, look at the post even. I go, I, I didn't post the, just the naked photo. There's an interview that went along with it. So it wasn't like I was just posting a photo of a naked guy with a small penis. It was, you know, <laughs> it's like that, but like they, the Facebook just didn't respond. They just, they're like, no, 20, it's 24 hours. I mean, like, 24 hours, nobody. I'm like, okay, but, you know, but I mean, yeah, it's the first time it's ever happened, but it's, I mean, it is funny, though. It is I, pretty uh, funny. I mean, it's a pretty funny thing to get banned for. I'm like, I mean, that's the, if I'm, that's, that's the one thing I make get banned for. I guess it should be a Ben Weasel naked photo. <laughs> like when I was, I, I was thinking, I was, I'm trying to think, let's see, I was, 14, I think, with the first time I saw Screeching Weasel. And that I mean and they weren't that pop- But this is before my brain hurts was even out. So they had a, just a local following and something like that. So it was maybe a hundred kids at the shows. And Ben would always get naked. And then um I don't think Ben and Brian, Brian Verman, he would get naked too. And then when Dan Panic was in the band, he would get naked. But Dan Dan Schaefer, he never got naked. Dan was never into getting <laughs> naked, and Jughead never really got naked. Too. I don't remember him ever like. Get, I mean, he would maybe go to the underwear they would go in, they would get down to, but Ben and Brian and Dan Panic would always get naked, and and at the time it was just funny because it was like, oh wow, there's a bunch of naked guys jumping around on stage, <laughs> and then in the audience, and girls would, girl guys and girls would get fully naked. I mean, we we're talking no clothing at all on. And so, like, being a 14-year-old kid, I was like, Jesus, there's naked girls jumping around and something like that. But, like, um, then as I got older, like, and maybe, like, when I turned 21, I don't know, I was, I, Dan and I were out one night. And, like, I remember telling Dan, I'm like, kind of, I never thought about it, but Ben exposed himself to, like, really young kids. I mean, he, ben was, like, 23 at the time. It's like that. And, and that, that photo that I posted, he's, like, probably 23 years old in that photo. And and that's an all-ages show. So there was, like, kids who were 13 years old there. So I'm like, technically, he could have been arrested for exposing himself. (laughs) And it never occurred to me. But at the same time, though, it's not like. But the craziest thing is there was this guy who showed up. It was the last McGregor show. That was the club that did all the punk shows back then. And he got fully naked, not at the end of the set. (laughs) At the first song, he got naked. (laughs) And he had a marker, a Sharpie, and he wrote 666 on his chest. With an arrow pointing down to his his penis, and at one and he, he just stood up in front of Dan when Dan Dan was playing bass, and so Dan's playing and just trying not to look at this guy because <laughs> it's a guy with his dick hanging right. And then at some point he starts jerking off, oh boy. He, but he's he's not hard. He's it's, and the funny, and the worst part is my brother got it on video. We have we taped it because we like my brother's like I got to get this on tape. I have to have this. Uh-huh. And so this guy's playing with himself in front of Dan for like five songs. And finally, just the show ends and everything. So like, like so so maybe like in 2004, the Methadones were playing the Fireside Bowl one night. The guy shows up. I haven't seen the guy like in 15 years. First thing he asked me, "Hey, can I get a copy of that video?" <laughs> why, why would you want to see that? Why, like, why would? I mean, first of all, I mean, why would you? Why would you do that? And then why? Why would you want a copy of that video then? Even. <laughs>
4: wow, I thought you were gonna say he went up to Vapid and did that shit again. Oh, that would
3: have been funny, though. Oh, God. I mean, he should, that, I, I, looking back now, I, I wish he would have because Dan was kind of scarred by it. I, I, I don't bet. blame him. I mean, playing on stage, and you're just playing, and here's a guy, and he, and McGregor's is weird because they had a stage with like a metal bar that went around the stage. So people would kind of sometimes jump up and hold on to the bar. So this guy basically just jumped up, held on to the bar with one hand, and started jerking <laughs> off with the other hand. And like, even though, but, but no one stopped him. No one tried, the bouncers just kind of were like, what the fuck is this? Damn. Like everyone was kind of like, even the bouncers didn't want nothing to do with this guy. They're like, you know, let him finish, and hopefully, if he, you know, hope he won't make a mess. But nothing, he didn't finish. <laughs> nothing like that. He was just really limp. He's really had a soft, no hard penis, and he was just, but he was going at it like he was running a marathon. He was beating that thing like, you know, I was just like, and. Yeah, and but even and even Ben because Dan was like looking away, and Ben kept looking. Like once the that video we haven't transferred yet to YouTube, but once we do, like I'm probably <laughs> get banned for that one probably if I post that. But um, but I'll send you a link for it. It's so funny because you see Ben kind of trying to get Dan's attention to look at it. Ben's like, Dan, look, look down, look down, and Dan's just not looking down. He's just like, No, I'm not looking down because I already saw what's going on down there. <laughs>
4: Uh, you have so much cool footage, dude. Has anyone ever like approached you about that weasel, you know, this documentary that was supposedly going to happen?
3: Yeah, actually, we, I was interviewed for it. And um they used my old apartment cuz like they interviewed Dan and then um they wanted to re-interview Dan after the the when that big fight in South by Southwest. Right. Cuz they mm-hmm. did all the interviews with most of the band members before the South by Southwest incident. And then, um, so they wanted to go back and re-interview everybody. So one night at my apart, my old apartment, they re-interviewed Dan and Drew and a couple other people. And then they interviewed me for it. And then we were, we, 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 we told them they could use all our footage. We gave, we told them like, you can have every tape we have and use, but then like shortly after that's when we got word that Ben kind of picked a kibosh on it and didn't want it, didn't want it being released. Uh And stuff, so that kind of, which kind of sucks because the guy had a lot of great footage. I mean, he had, like, footage from other people's collections and stuff. So, I mean, he had, like, because Joey Vindictive, he used to tape shows way back then, too. So, Joey had a lot of footage from, like, the Boog of the Years and the first album stuff. And, like, Matt Nelson, who was the promoter back then, who passed away a few years ago, he had actually, he has a videotape, well, I don't know where it's at now, but of the very first Screech Weasel show in his parents' basement Wow. they played. And he had it on video and stuff, so he he was gonna give me a copy of it to give to the guys to do. But like, once word got out that the documentary was like not gonna get finished, and like, you know, it just kind of everything just stopped, which is unfortunate because the guy kind of he, he flew out to Chicago several times on his I think on his own dime. To do the interviews and he flew to San Francisco and stuff like that. So he pit a lot of time. He's a really nice guy, too, the guy who did the document who was doing the documentary and stuff like that. So it's unfortunate that like he's sitting on all this footage. It's I mean, may- I'm hoping maybe one day he could do something with it. I mean, I don't I know I asked him about that. About I go, does Ben have like final say? Does he have like final edit over the thing? And when he he said he's like he indicated that Ben does, and that's when I kind of knew that. Some, I'm like, ah, I don't know if this is gonna get finished because Ben's not gonna. I mean, because just from what I, just from hearing the interviews, you know, people were. I mean, no one said anything bad about Ben, but obviously after the South by Southwest incident, people <laughs> were kind of down on him and stuff like that. So I think that kind of. I don't. I think if the South by Southwest thing didn't happen, I think the documentary would have got finished. But I think after that happened, so many people were like, just like bummed and down on him that. It kind of made it, and I in a way I don't blame him because I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I mean he like the problem with that is if anyone else would have done that, it would have just flown under the radar. But Ben is such a controversial person, and like he loves you know, and that's what I that's what I always liked about Ben was he was always kind of like that controversial person. But he 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 made so many enemies with other people that once that happened, it just it was it was open target on Ben. Then you know, people anyone who wanted to. Get back at him. Could use the South by Southwest thing against him.
4: Yeah, the shit
3: was bogus. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it should, I mean, it was unfortunate, it happened, and I'm sure Ben regrets it. Yeah, something like that. I mean, no one wants to punch somebody and you know, and, and in a fit of anger and something like that. And it should, it shouldn't have happened, but it did. But like, you know, but this, I mean, it seems like it's blown over now and stuff like yeah, that. Though, but it's unfortunate finally. though that that was the, I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back in that documentary.
4: Oh, man. Mm. Yeah, I always had a distaste for how everyone fucking turned on Ben Weasel. Yeah, he made a mistake, but that doesn't erase all this great shit he's done. You know what I'm saying? Oh,
3: yeah. I mean, and like I said, I posted that video from 1990 when he, well, you can't see the fight when him and Tony Victory got into a fight, but it was kind of simple. I mean, granted, it was a guy and a guy fight, but Ben Ben's always, I mean, I mean anyone who knows Ben or is a fan of Screechy Weasel know that like he's that's what makes him kind of unique he's a he likes to stir stir people up and like yeah that that's what kind of drew me to the band besides their music besides loving their band but like when i was a kid when i first got into them that's what kind of like really when i first when i started seeing them live that's what like i loved i'm like wow this guy's really funny and he loved you know, the way he baited people in the audience and stuff and it was just yeah i never saw i, I never saw anyone who could like have a command over an audience like that even like even when they before they were, got real popular it's like he just had a you know he had this confidence on stage that like was like wow this guy really like he seems so confident and that's what I was weird like I know Ben was never big on playing live and touring he wasn't but like he seemed so good at it though that's the funny thing. I'm like, well, wow, here's yeah. this guy who's so comfortable up on stage, but I later on, as I talked to him and got to know him better, he never was never he never really liked being on stage. That was the part I think he disliked the most was playing live. It seemed like to mm. me. Yeah.
0: So, Mike, when uh, like, how'd you get into Screeching Weasel? Like, what was the first? How early did you start going to shows and shit like that? And
3: uh, my brother, my, I have a two older brothers. My middle brother. Was like, he's the one I kind of like latched onto when it came to like when I was really young with like music and stuff and mm-hmm. movies. And so, like, obviously, like, all our everyone I knew in Chicago, everyone got into heavy metal first. So, we got into heavy metal in the early 80s, like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, and those kind of stuff. And then, probably around like the mid 80s and maybe around 86 or so, like, we see we started, he started bringing home like agnostic front cassettes and Murphy's Law misfits. misfits i was like that's what i stopped listening to anything remotely heavy metal and just started buying everything punk i'd get my hands on and then at the then like probably like in the late 80s we started going to shows and stuff like that and kind of just like you know you know cause we li- i live i grew up in a town called naperville which is like mm-hmm. 30 miles west of chicago so at the time though in the late 80s and early 90s in chicago all the all ages punk shows were happening in the suburbs it's like that like anything in the city was like either like like a you know the social distortion or moans came to town they would play in the city but and so like we started we started going to this record stores like wax tracks and stuff and we'd see flyers like and so we I, and then there's like there was a high school nearby that had a a saturday punk show a two-hour punk show and they and that's the first time i heard screeching weasel they played something off bogota i can't i think it was like i want to be naked or dingbat <laughs> brother and i were like wow because we, we would tape the show I, you know i'd pick a set in the boom box and just record it and then so i could go back and you know track down what what bands they were and, and buy the records and then um then martin he was a local he sung for a band called lost for dose he put out a comp called there's a fungus among us mm-hmm. and screeching eagle had slogans on there the original version of slogans yep. and i never when i heard that song i bought the comp I must have listened to that song like twenty times a day. I thought it was the greatest <laughs> song ever written. I heard that the first time. I was like, wow, I've never heard anything like this. So we then so we and we were going to show shows, so then we, we got flyers to a place called McGregor's and stuff and it was close by. It was like a twenty minute drive. So we're like, Oh my god, all these bands are playing like twenty minutes away from us. So my brother, he was four year he's four years older than me, so he had his driver's license. I was only like thirteen at the time, so I would just go to the show. Any show he went to, I would just go along with and stuff like that. And so, probably right around like, yeah, like you know when Punk House came out and stuff, we started going to see Screeching Weasel and um and like and, and stuff like that. So like yeah, probably like late eighties, you know. And then they broke up in ninety. So there was that period where like Screeching Weasel broke up, and then there was the Gore Gore Girls and Sludge and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so that and then once they got back together in ninety one. And like that's when like they really started. I think that that's when they got. I think their best era was like the 91, 92 time when like they just had like they were like they people were like going crazy for them in Chicago.
0: Awesome. So you you go to you go all these you uh, see Screeching Weasel and Sludgeworth and all this. How do you end up? You know, do you end up friends with them right away? Like with Vapid especially. You know, I mean, do you guys just become friends and obviously later on you're you're in bands with him, But
3: yeah, like um. We I met Dan the first time, um, well my brother and I my brother and I we did the video we did a video zine called Out of Focus, and so that was kind of our that's how we started meeting the bands more personally because like at the time at like McGregor's in that era the punk scene in Chicago was really small it was maybe like a hundred kids would go to McGregor's, but you'd see the same people every show because it was just. It was almost like a little clubhouse in a way. Like you, every Sunday and Wednesday were the shows, mm-hmm. so you know you knew everybody at the shows, and like there was no backstage. here. So the bands were always in, you know, just selling their merchandise. So like, just kind of knew them, just kind of met them real briefly, just like you know, hey, you know, I like the band a lot. And so once we started taping shows, though, I remember Ben we asked Ben we asked if we could tape him. Ben's like yeah that's cool we told and we told him what we wanted to do and Ben really, was real supportive of it and Ben he, he gave us he gave us his phone number he's like well call me if you have any questions you need help with anything and something like that and so when we did the screeching weasel interview Ben invited us over to his apartment and he was living in Chicago with his girlfriend and he had and Dan was living with him too so that's the first time like Dan and I met and kind of kind of talking or Ben had to go to the post office and my brother drove him. so just Dan and I were at the apartment talking, and we were just talking about music and which bands we liked and stuff. And then just and then shortly after that, Dan actually moved in with a mutual friend that my brother and I had. So we started seeing Dan more often. like we'd go to my friend's apartment, Dan you know since he lived there. So we I got to know Dan just through that basically then and and Ben, and stuff, and the same thing with, like, the Vindictives. I'm Joey, we met that, Joey and those guys, we met just through doing, like I said, the video zine and stuff, Right. and, like, but, like and like I said, it was such a small, knit, little scene, so, like, like I said, you would see them twice a week, these people, at, at shows and stuff, and so, basically through that, basically the video zine stuff, and then, like, and I had this band, a really shitty band I was playing in called The Geeks. It was a really just, it was a dumb band, basically, I just found people that could barely play, because I could barely play, so and so, you know, we would play shows. So we couldn't really play that well. So we would just basically just like, just basically like fight each other on stage and wrestle <laughs> around while we played. And for some reason, Joey really liked it. Joey just loved it. So Joey's and so originally Joey had, you know, he had VML records. Mm-hmm. So Joey wanted to do a record with us, which I was like, well, we 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 had like seven originals and the rest of our songs were cover songs. And so um, we we ended up breaking up. But then Joey was like. Well, and this is, like, around 94 now, and Joey was like, well, Dr. Bob, who was the lead guitarist in Vindictive, had some drug issues, and so Joey's like, Dr. Bob's gonna take a break, he's like, but can you fill in, can you can you fill in, well, um, he's gone, we have some shows booked and stuff, so I was like, yeah, that's, that's cool, I mean, I, and I love the Vinictiv, so I was like, holy shit, this is great, I got to play with my favorite band, and, like, um, and then so I went to, like, a couple rehearsals and stuff, and then... Joey is like, well, Dr. Bob's gone. He's like, Do you just want to join the band? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'll do that. So <laughs> I joined I joined up with them in '94 until like '96. But at the time, Joey well, he had like a lot of he was he was sick, he had like pneumonia and stuff. So like it was kind of stagnant. It was cool because we were we we rehearsed all the time. We wrote songs, and we wrote we wrote an album, which was gonna be our first album for Lookout. But it never got recorded and stuff. Like we did demos for it, like in the practice space and stuff. But it was so, it was so great though because Johnny Personality, who's the bass player, I mean that guy is one of the best musicians I've ever ever played with. This guy can he can play every instrument perfectly. You give him the keyboards, drums, bass, guitar. So he actually taught me like how to play guitar more than anything. He showed me how to play like leads and stuff, and I was just like, I learned so much from. So I I learned so much from. Being in that band so like i don't consider any of that time like even though we we played one show the whole time i was in the band but like after out of two years though i gained so much experience just playing guitar with them that it was it was so valuable and then like and then after that split and like so then after that we split up in 96 and then i just kind of played around in various bands here and there in chicago And Dan and I kind of kept in touch because Dan moved to Washington, D.C. after the Riverdells broke up. Him and his girlfriend moved out there. So we just kind of kept in touch just through, like, letters. And then um, the Mopes Mopes decided to play some shows. And this was in 99. And um, they came to Chicago to do a show. And so Dan and I kind of reconnected at the show because I was in a band at the time. Dan's like, oh... He's like I'll, I'm gonna send you he was a method he goes I just recorded a Methadones record because methadones played around a couple shows in 93 and in 95 and various they had various lineups they had like mm-hmm. Dan panic played drums for a little while and stuff so they would they Pat Buckley who was the drummer from the vindictos played drums and Pete actually was playing lead guitar in the methadones at the oh. time and so Dan's like I just recorded an album which is which ended up being ill at ease and he's yeah. like um He's like, I'll send it to you. Let me know what you think about it. And so he sent me a cassette copy. And this is at 99. I'm like, wow, this is really good. And then out of nowhere, like a year later, the real kids were playing a show in Chicago. And I sh- I was at the show. And out of nowhere, Dan just kind of popped up. I'm like, holy shit. What are I'm like, Dan, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I just moved back home. He's like, my girlfriend and I, we split up. So I- I'm i back home now. I'm like, cool. So we, we started hanging out a lot then. Because he was we were both living in the suburbs. He lived in Des Plaines. And I lived in Naperville. And it was about maybe like, half hour from each other so we'd go record shopping a lot and stuff and then um he came to one of my uh, my, the band i played he came to a show and um he he's like he's like man the band kind of sucks he's like but i like i like the way you play though and at the time he was trying to get the methadones together so i'm like well i'm like well if you're looking for a guitar player i'll go i'd be happy to try out and he was like oh we already have a guitar player already so i'm like okay no big deal so we were gonna start a side band just you know just something fun on the side to do so about once a week, him and I would get together and just in his parents' basement and just kind of do like demos on a four track and stuff. And I would and like originally I was playing bass on the demos and he was playing guitar and singing. And then one day he had me he's like he had me play guitar and he played bass. And I started playing these like just kind of cheesy leads. And he's like for some reason he's like he's like, that's the kind of leads I want to play in the methadones. And I'm like, OK, so he goes he called Pete up and goes, listen, I want you, I want to switch you to bass. and I want Mike in the band. And basically, that's how I just joined, basically. He just told mm-hmm. Pete to switch the bass, and and then I joined, and it was September of 2000 is when I joined the Methadones, then. So that's oh. kind of the short version of it. I mean, it's longer, <laughs> but I figure I'm not going to bore you with all the minor details. But I mean, basically, yeah, I've known Dan, basically, since about 1992, and Ben around the same time. And it, basically, Joey, Ben, and those guys, I met all around 1992.
0: That's awesome. Cool. Hey, this is Pat. Chris. Chris. Mikey. And we're from the Beatnik Termites, and you're listening to The Dummy Room.
4: You know, that's one of the things about the Methadones that I liked. Like, it didn't have the weasel leads. Especially when you got in the band, it was more like. Blues influence, pentatonic kind of stuff, you know.
3: Well, that's and that's the stuff that Joey kind of taught me from the Vinictives. He, like cool. when I joined the Vinictives, he made me all these like blues cassettes. He goes, "Listen to these and listen to how they play leads on those." He's like those because those are the leads that he wanted in the Vinictives. And and then when I went when Dan when I joined the Methadones, Dan was kind of the same way too. Dan at the time when we and that's why Illity sounded so different. And when when I joined the band, Dan. Dan didn't want to be a poppy band, really. He wanted to play more at the time, like he wanted to sound like the helicopters, the dictators, more mm. rock. Yeah, and yeah, stuff. That's why there's a lot like mm. "Are You Really for Real" and stuff like "Ammunition" and "Cracked," is because that's the kind of stuff that I think Dan kind of really he kind of wanted to kind of get away from the the, the you know not because he didn't like it, just because he was only, everyone always kind of identified Dan with like pop punk, and he just thought he wanted to try something new, mm. and so. But then, like – and it was cool because we had a, we, we, we we were writing – you know, Dan was writing songs in that vein, and then Dan, I would I would still get together with Dan. This is like when we were working on stuff for a career – which would be Career Objective, and um, I would get together with Dan every now and then just to work on – we would just work on songs, and – we we're just messing around, and I played that lead for that for what you don't know anymore that little intro. And Dan wrote the whole song within like five minutes. He wrote everything the lyrics, the the guitar, everything. I could I mean, Dan is one of the most talented songwriters. I've never seen someone who can like you could you could pl- show him like two chords and he'll turn it into like this amazing song. shit i'm like dan i go we should maybe do this song in the band and dan was kind of unsure because he thought it might be too poppy for the band and then so we went on tour with anti-flag and um so we we, we would sound check usually a couple you know for the show and we, we just did it at sound check one time and i remember there was about we were some really cheesy club like in norfolk somewhere and this big bouncer guy comes up to us after we sound checked he's like he's like who does that song originally and we're like, well, what song? He's like, the one you just played. And we're like, oh no, it's it's so we do that. He's like, wow. He's like, you guys should you guys should release that song. It's it's good. And I'm like, and I, I remember Dan Dan, I went to McDonald's afterwards. And I'm like, and Dan kind of we were both kind of agreed. We're like, well, maybe we should start going more towards the popier stuff. So like. But, like you mean, so yeah that's why kind of career objective kind of has a balance. There's a lot of rock kind of songs,
1: mm-hmm. and then, like
3: by the time not economically viable and stuff came out, we started you know we started going more towards a pop route, yeah. which which I liked. I was more of a pop of the pop fan anyways, and i but I liked the I liked the rock stuff, but I was more partial i I was more favorable to like the more melodic poppier stuff,
0: yeah, hell, yeah. we back up to the vindictives real quick
3: (laughs) um
0: did you record with them like i'm thinking like 94 you were in the band that's like party time for assholes rocks in my head seven inch
3: that's the funny thing is that that, all that stuff got released when i was in the band but what the vindictives used to do is is when they would go in the studio they would record like 25 songs so they would like they'd have a stockpile of songs okay you know so everything from like alarm clocks Left for Dead, Rocks in My Head, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That was all recorded in '93 before I joined, uh, but okay. it didn't get released till '94, '95. And same with the Party Time for Assholes. That was recorded again in '93 also. So in '90, 90, like '92, '93, they were they recorded basically everything that came out on Lookout was all recorded. So I never recorded in the studio. We did we did dem- we recorded demos on a 4 track, like at, in the practice space, but we never i never went in the studio with them though
0: okay yeah i just i love that rocks in my head that was the first record i ever heard by them, and alarm clocks was great and yeah, yeah. those were
3: my favorites actually too like when like when i joined the band that was the first songs like when we started rehearsing i wanted to play i'm like let's do alarm clocks i thought that's when they were at their best was like when that those when that that single that ep came out i thought they were those Mm -hmm. were great records
0: yeah Yeah. so i think we uh we're on the same page when we talk about vapid songwriting yeah (laughs) uh he's like the greatest songwriter maybe i mean i've said that a few times people jump on me but it's like fucking guy writes so i mean perfect songwriting right
3: oh i mean he's played me stuff that like, like he would be joking around. He'd like, oh, he would just kind of mess around on guitar. And I'd be blown away. I'm like, well, we, you know, I'm like, that's a, that sounds great. And he's, he, and, and like, I mean, everyone, everyone's their own worst critic. Dan was, Dan's always kind of, was always kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't think that's a very good song. Or I don't, I don't like, but I'm like, trust me. I go, it's really good. I'm like, I always told him to listen. Things. I go, and as I always tell Dan, I go, Dan, but even before I knew you, I loved your songwriting so I, I go trust me i go when i you know and like yeah i mean the guy would just i couldn't believe the stuff you'd come up with sometimes he would just come into practice with songs and some of them were completely finished like leads because like you know because that thing is even though if I, like if i played leads if dan came up with something better i would play what dan played then i'm like well you know Whoever, if you you know whatever sounds best, play what sounds best. Right. And Dan Dan could just come up with the coolest. I mean, he just came up with the coolest stuff. And you know, and I, that's what, and that's another thing that kind of struck me with Screeching Weasel is when Dan, when my brain hurts, Dan's backing vocals on that. I mean, I think that's what made my Brain Hurts such a great record. Besides, the songs were great songs, but it was it was, the backing vocal, which was cool, and they did this live. Like Dan's vocals would be just as loud as Ben's vocals. And I always thought that was kind of cool because like, usually the backing vocals are kind of buried in the mix a lot but right. i think you know dan's got a unique voice and like that too so it kind of stands out a lot and like dan's voice is i think it's oh you know i mean i've always preferred, i mean ben's a good singer but i always like dan's singing style better too yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. Great, both of them are great both of them are amazing songwriters and, and stuff like that though but i always thought dan was a a better as far as a singer though he could he could belt it out better than ben could
0: that's yeah. why all those uh the uh all the screeching weasel records post Vapid weren't uh, even close. Yeah, <laughs> because I mean, of the backup and, vocals.
3: Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, I remember even I think Ben even kind of knew it too because it's just like I mean you can't how do you replace that? You know, it's such a hard thing to replace. I mean, those vocals were such. And I even asked Dan one time about that. About my brain hurts. I'm like I'm like. Did who, I go, who came up with the backing vocals? Was that Ben? And Dan just said it was him. He just like, as, when Ben would, they would be at rehearsal, and Dan would just, you know, just belt out the vocal. he be like, Ben, and he said Ben was totally fine with it. Ben was like, you know, he's like, hey, sounds good, do it. You know, so Dan, a lot of that stuff, and it was, you know, Dan just kind of came up with on the fly at practice and stuff. And like, and I think that's what's made that, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that they, it really added to their sound, I thought.
0: Yeah. Nate, are
4: you hearing weird sounds again?
0: Yeah, <laughs> you cut out a, a little bit here and there, Mike.
3: Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Yeah, it actually, it sounds a like maybe.
4: It just sounds like sometimes you're farther away from the mic or something, maybe.
3: Oh, okay. Let me see where's. The... Okay. sometimes How it's this... like
4: real clean and crisp, and then other times it sounds almost like you're distant.
3: Okay, is this better right here? Perfect. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm closer to the mic now.
0: Yeah, that sounds okay. good. So, why do you think like Vapid didn't write a lot in Screeching Weasel? Was that just Ben taking control, or I mean? Obviously, Ben or er, Dan was writing good. I mean, Sludgeworth had great songs. I mean, they were different. They weren't Screeching Weasel type songs. But um, do you think there was ever a time that you know Ben realized that Vapid was just as good as him? And
3: <laughs> I think, so, cause ben, but Ben always Ben was, Ben always complimented Dan in interviews and stuff. So Ben was only Ben Ben's, Ben knew that Dan a, was a great songwriter. I just think Ben Ben was such a prolific songwriter too, though mm-hmm. that Ben just had so many songs that I think, like, you know, like, I mean, I think in the history, I mean, I know on the first Screeching Weasel album, I think, like, John wrote a song or, like, the bass player did, and, like, but those were kind of goofy songs. I mean, I'm not saying they're bad songs, but they, they, that first Screeching Weasel album was kind of very goofy album, but, like, Dan was really the only person in the band outside of Ben who actually wrote, Ben actually let Dan have songs on the album, like, like I Was a High School Psychopath or Around on You, Right. and stuff like that, those were like, those were like 100% Dan songs, lyrics and music and stuff like that and that's, that, was, that, that was rare for Ben to do to have like, I mean Ben, they co-wrote a lot of songs, like even Jughead co-wrote songs mm-hmm. and Johnny Personality co-wrote some songs, but like Dan was the only guy outside of Ben who actually wrote a, entire songs that Ben actually let him put on the album. So I think, but like, I think, the, I bet, I think like Dan would even say too, though, I mean, it, it was always Ben's band, Screeching Weasel, you know, yeah, whether, yeah. I mean, even though Jughead was there from the beginning, but it was always, musically, it was always Ben's thing. So I think that's why, but I think also too, is just that I don't think, I don't think Dan pushed his songs either though. I think Dan, I think Dan was comfortable. I mean, I, I can't speak for him on it, but it seemed, if I had, from what I saw, it seemed like dan what dan liked his position in the band and it was a good position I mean, he was he was a main guy in the, in a great band and like that but dan had other outlets like he I said like in 93 he had the methadones going a version of the methadones and he had sludgeworth going so he had other outlets for his songwriting so i think that made things easier for dan also so he didn't he didn't seem as constricted i think in screeching weasel because he had like sludgeworth and the methadones to do but um but yeah, I think, but I think Ben, Ben, like I said, Ben was just such a prolific songwriter. Though I mean, he he just had, m- ton. I mean, t- I mean, even to this day, he pro- he probably has songs that go back to that. I mean, I, I remember seeing Screech Weasel back in like the like early '90s, and they would play songs that they never recorded, and we have them on video from the shows. And I always wondered. I'm like, I asked Dan later on, I'm like, did you record that song? And Dan, you know, Dan's like, I don't think we did. So I mean, Ben's got songs probably that go back to like the late '80s that you know, he still has that he never released even. It's
4: pretty cool. Yeah. I was just kind of curious, like, I mean, what happened to where the methadones just kind of quit playing and then, you know, the cheats are a thing now, but why did you guys just kind of quit doing it?
3: I think what happened was, is like, I mean, we were around for like 10 years and like, Dan kind of said this once, and it was true. Like there were times that, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I mean, you guys probably know from playing in bands, like, you get burnt out sometimes, yeah. you know. So the problem with the methadones was with us, we was like, each of us were getting burnt out, but at different times. So, like, three of us would be all excited about something, and one of us would be kind of like, oh, I'm just kind of burnt out, I need a break. And so probably, like, right around, like, 2007, 2008, I remember Dan, because Dan and I lived together for, like, four years. So him and I, we'd always kind of talk about it, like, you know, like, we never came up a lot, but we'd always wonder, like, at some point, obviously the band's going to end, you know, it's like that. But I remember right around like probably two, cause like, right, I think it was right around like, well, Pete and Pete and Mike Susie, the drummer, they were playing with, in the bomb with Jeff of naked ray gun. So they kind of had a side band going. And then Dan kind of had, Dan started doing some side stuff. I never did just because it wasn't that I didn't want to, but just like working a full-time job and doing the methadones was, it was enough for me to kind of just, you know, with not doing another band. And, um, so that kind of took, but at the same time though, it kind of it kind of helped though because then it we weren't as burnt out because we weren't doing as much. But probably around like two thousand and nine was when like it just seemed like we kind of hit this point where it's like we were drawing really well in certain cities and our tours are doing well, but it just seemed like we just kind of hit we hit this point where like we were we just weren't excited about it as much as we used to be and then like dan just called me one day and just asked he's like he's like i think i want to stop the band and at the time too i was kind of i agree i'm like you know what i'm that's cool with me i'm like you know and and then dan actually and originally i didn't even want to do a last show i was like let's just split it up now let's just end it now and make a clean break and then dan kind of at, he's like, well, we should do another show at least, and something like that. And then I agreed. I'm like, yeah, we should do, because it'd be kind of cool to have like a little last hurrah and stuff. Yeah. So, um, and so yeah, so we kind of, you know, and it was funny because it was really mutual. Not, I mean, all four of us kind of. It was like there wasn't one of us who was kind of like, oh no, we got to stick this out. Come on, let's do another album. It was just one of those things we were like, and then we ended up recording those the last couple songs we had. And that was probably the most fun we probably had because I think there was no more pressure to do, you know, of like of like, oh, okay, we got to do a tour, we have to tour to support this, we have to do this. So once we knew we were breaking up, it almost seemed like everyone got along. We 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 always got along well, but like we bicker over stuff here and there. But once we knew we were ending, it seemed like it just was so much easier then. There was no more like expectations or no more of like of like you know, okay, we have this coming up or that to do. So, you know, and then like in Dan and I always talked about doing something after the methadones anyways. So it was just one of those things where it's like, well, we'll do something again in the future anyways. So, but like it was basically, that's what it was though. It was just kind of like, we were just kind of all burnt out at the same time, finally. And just, we, we just kind of decided to throw the hat, you know, th- throw it in. I gotcha.
4: So I know you guys have done a couple of reunion shows in the past. Is there any talks to do another one anytime soon? Uh, anything we can look forward to methadones wise?
3: Um, we, like, we, well, we did, like, the two methadones, we, we, we did three shows after, since we broken up, we did, like, the, a red, the Red Scare Records Festival, yeah. and then, um, and then we did, a uh, two other local shows, but the, the only thing that sucked about those for me was, is, like, I, I, I had to have hip surgery, and so, I couldn't even, like, it, I was in pain, those three shows, those three reunion shows we did, were the most painful shows I ever did because I couldn't even move on stage. I actually had to, I actually had to have a cane to walk on stage at one point because it was so bad.'m I'm, I'm fine now, but like at the time though I couldn't even walk. so Damn. doing those, I, and I felt so like felt so bad because I felt like I was I was like cheating people. I'm like, oh shit man. These people are paying money and I can't even like move on stage even you know <laughs> it's like that. So it kind of sucked for me. but like they were still fu- it was fun I, I was there were still fun shows to do. And stuff like that. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we do something in the future again. I mean, we get every now and then we'll get offers from people, but like, I think it's one of those things that I think all four of us just kind of have to be in the right right mood to do. But like, I'm totally for it, though. I'm. I mean, yeah. I'm a hundred percent to do. I mean, if those guys want to do a show, I I have no problem going up and. I mean, I'll I'll play anywhere, anytime. For me, I mean, yeah. I, I, that's that's the way I look at it. I mean, I've always loved playing live. That's always been like the funnest part. For me being in the band, I always I was always, always enjoyed playing live, so doing shows has always always been fun. So I mean, if the, the other three guys are up for it, I'm totally up for it.
0: All right, you heard it here, man! Macedon's reunion. <laughs> cool. You
3: just got to get the other three guys on board.
0: A <laughs> <laughs> record
4: would be even better, though.
3: Yeah, we we like we had. Hit... We had, we, like, we recorded almost everything, like, that we, we had some, we had probably, like, maybe, we actually have a few songs that we never released. Like, there's, I know there was, like, one or two songs from the LOD session that, that was never released, and during Not 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 Economically Viable, we recorded a lot of songs, and a couple of them we finished, and there was, like, two or three songs that we recorded the music but not the vocals. We had a we have a scratch vocal track. Like Dan just did the scratch track. Yeah, and um, we did a couple of songs. We just didn't finish them because like we just couldn't. It's it just we it, it, we we can we just never felt a hundred percent on the song. It was like we just could never finish it. it. Was just like we so we just had extra time in the studio. So we thought we would try to finish them in the studio. But so I mean there there are some unreleased songs that we have that we never released. But and then we actually when I joined the the first. When I first joined the band, actually, we recorded a single because a friend of ours in Canada wanted to do a single. So we, we recorded the song Revitalized. This is before Career Objective came out. We did Revitalize, and we recorded Black Flag's Nervous Breakdown, we did. And we had a drummer, the drummer at the time was a drummer, it was, like, when I played in the Vindictives, Pat Buckley was out of the band, who was the drummer on all the records. Mm -hmm. And we had this guy, Trey, he was a nice guy, and a good drummer, but like, so when I joined the Methadones, Trey, Dan, we, we needed a drummer, so he was the only drummer I knew, so we had Trey join the band and for some reason the drum on those recordings he just pl- it didn't sound very good so we just canned the whole session but the set but the, the songs are they're finished so and so i i, I kind i wanted to have like that asian man release we did with the five blast songs and the, yeah. the all our eps i wanted to put the nervous breakdown and revitalize the version of revitalized on there but um we couldn't find the master tapes though to, like to have them but since then, we ha- we actually found we, we actually have them now. It was Dan, who's the guitar player for 88 Fingers Louie, he recorded them for us. So, so I- eventually, at some point, I, I kind of just want I-, I wouldn't mind just putting get- them up on YouTube for free or something. Yeah. But I don't know how the other guys feel like Dan feels. Because Dan, I don't think Dan was happy with the way that they sounded. So, I don't know how he feels. But, you know, I'm like, well, I mean, Worst case scenario, I mean, to be just you mean, just throw them out there for free on like a Facebook page or something like that. But I mean, I don't know. Like, we have the tapes. Like I know the tapes. Dan Dan Precision's got them. But um, like I said, like so, there's probably like seven or eight like unreleased songs that like we never released or never ne- or never finished. That you know that you know. I think two or three weren't finished and five were finished, but just never released.
4: That's cool. That's awesome. So this is might be a little bit of a geeky question for you, Mike, but I'm a bit of like a fucking gearhead and I was just always curious. Uh-huh. Like those Methadones records have such a great guitar tone. Like what'd you guys use to track those?
3: Um, on Career Objective actually, um, Dan and I, I I actually I when I was in the Vindictives, like uh, Johnny and Joey were big on carving like carving amps and carving guitars. Yeah. And so they had I had a Fender or Stratocaster when I joined the Vindictives, and they just really did Johnny, uh, John, and like Johnny had a ba- a bass and it sounded great. So I bought a carving guitar and I liked it a lot. So when I joined the Methadones, that's what I was playing at the time. It was a carving guitar, and so we went to studio and Mass, who did um, Career Objective, was really big on these amps to call um, Soldanos. Yeah, <laughs> and and but they but they did he he they sounded great in the studio and that's that's what we we used for um on Career Objective was. I used a Carvin guitar and a Soldano amp, and Dan. Was I that when remember... Dan
4: still had that Fernandez guitar? Yeah, the Fernandez. I'm yeah. glad
3: that that's the name. I'm glad you brought that up. Dan uses Fernandez. With a Seldano the Soldano amp also. Hmm. And but Mass was able to get the sound on those those amps so good that Dan and I actually almost went out and bought Soldano amps after yeah. that, but they were so expensive yeah, that we were both kind of like, oh shit, man, we can't afford those. And so but because we, we used Marshalls on stage.
1: Yeah. We
3: would play. And then on, on Not Economically Viable, we, we we used Marshalls on those albums then. We okay. I think we I think we, um and also Pete had a oh God, well, I'm trying to a high watt, I think. Oh yeah. We use, and and so and we, we so I think I'm not economically viable. We use Marshalls and a high watt. Cause I think could we wanted to kind of tr- we wanted to try to have like the different guitar two guitars have a little different tone. Yeah. So I think like Dan may have used a high watt. And I used a Marshall. I think maybe, and then like or maybe Dan used a Marshall. And he just kind of mass like. And Luke, who, was, who helped in the studio, kind of like mess with the tones to kind of make you know yeah, just the different guitar tones different. and stuff. But yeah, we but on the on the rest, on, but everything else like on the power pop cover album and on um, this won't hurt and the last recordings, those were all like Marshall's. But then in we, we on tour and we were in Washington D.C. on tour and we had our band broken into. So I, had, I I had my guitar stolen. Oh man, my carbon was stolen. Pete's bass was stolen. And so when I got back off tour, that's when I got the SG guitar. Yeah. So from like, from the power pop album and this it won't hurt, and the rest of the stuff was the was was an SG with Marshall's cool. on the records. Then towards the end, Dan got a Gibson. So Dan started using the Gibson, and sometimes because Pete is a big gearhead, our bass player, yeah. he like his basement is like guitar center. Like, I mean, every time we would go down, we, we used to rehearse in his basement. And every time we'd go down there, there'd be a new amp or a new bass, but not new, he'd buy him, you know, some vintage bass you would have and stuff like that. And so it's like, so a lot of times, like when, like we played live, most of the, most of the, all the amps were usually all his. Cause like, cause Pete didn't want us bringing more gear to his house. And I don't blame him cause his basement was like flooded with gear anyways. So he would just be like, just bring your guitars and use my amps at practice. And so, a lot of times for our live shows, everything we used amp wise was Pete's amps, just because it was just easier to load out of his house. So, um, and he plus also, I mean, we had the same amps, you know, Marshall (laughs) JCM and stuff like that. So, and um, so, but a lot of times, sometimes Dan would borrow Pete's guitars because that Fernandez, Dan, Dan was Dan was kind of sick of the Fernandez and stuff like that. So sometimes Pete had like a Les Paul and stuff. So sometimes Dan would play that on the albums too. So I think like on. This won't hurt in a power pop album. I think Dan used Pete's Les Paul for the guitar tracks cool. on that, and I used the SG on that. So Dan Dan would actually use a couple different guitars in the studio sometimes, depending on the songs and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, Dan would kind of switch it up a lot just for different sounds and stuff. But I always I always just played the SG after the Carvin on the records usually though. It's pretty cool. He, you, you know, we usually play like a Fender bass. Usually, I think yeah, with it was like
4: bass. a bass. bass, I think.
3: Yeah, he would play those a lot.
4: It's pretty cool. Hopefully, he's not boring everyone with the gear talk. But I'm into that kind of <laughs> shit. I mean, those guitars on those records sound great. You know what I mean?
3: Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like that's like we. That's what. And like I said, like with the career objective and stuff. Like we were like at the time. Like we were listening to a lot of like dictators, Dead Boys, and stuff. So. We were kind of like that's that's the kind of thing we were trying to go for. With those, like I said, like songs like "Antidote" and "Are You Really Feel Real" was kind of those yeah. more rock songs. So we kind of wanted that loud rock sound to kind of go, you know, go with it. So like that, that maybe I think that's why those, you know, and I, which is kind of I'm kind of glad we did because I think it kind of it even with the more melodic songs, it kind of it kind of helped it with a maybe, maybe added a little something extra to you know a little different than what you know.
4: It's yeah, awesome. I love like that riff on TV World. It's just so damn heavy with those guitars.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, that that's is. yeah, that's like because yeah, Dan always loved like when like when him and I were we were talking about doing a side band before I joined the Methadones, and Dan would always we were because Dan and I were always we were huge were power pop and new wave music fans. Yeah. So Dan and I were always like in, like like Dan and I always kind of like those early new wave records like dan would always describe them as like really jerky guitar riffs like they're kind of like yeah you know it's, it almost sounds like that you're getting pulled back and forth in it and so that's how that riff dan came up with that riff kind of we were talking about new wave songs and that's how dan kind of came up with tv world he's like you know the kind of real jerky jumpy kind of guitar riffs super cool yeah because actually the power we we, had, we actually talked about doing that power pop album before even career objective we were talking about doing that yeah. already like we had a list of songs we wanted to do. We like, cause we we were covering "Hanging on the Telephone" by the Nerves in our live set at the time, yeah. and also cover. We like, we were gonna do a Blondie song, and like, we were gonna do some more obscure songs like Holly and the Italian. We 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 were, we rehearsed the Holly and the Italian song, but for some reason it, just, it didn't sound good, and we were also gonna cover Tracy Almond's "They Don't Know." Huh. But like the vocals were way too high for Dan to sing. So it just kind of, we're like we we kind of just scrapped it. So but like yeah. Dan and I were always huge, huge power pop fans. So it was one of those things where like we knew at one point we wanted to do a covers record at some point.
4: That's awesome, man. Cool. So were there other songs that you recorded for that record that didn't make the cut?
3: On the power pop one? Yeah. Uh no, on that one everything we recorded was like basically we came in with just enough songs because we kind of we did we had a couple songs we tried to practice like i said we did we did holly and the italians it was a song called youth coup and then we did um like i said tracy allman they don't know and i think we i think we may have played around with hanging on the telephone but a lot of bands have covered that song so we just kind of didn't want to and then there's a couple songs i want like then there was there were songs that, like, I suggested to do, like, I thought we should do, but then, like, we just, we there was, we, we had a long list that we kind of whittled down of songs, because yeah. it was one of those things where it's, like, I didn't want to pit the most obvious, we didn't I mean, at least for me, I don't, like, and I don't, and I, I like the, I'm glad, I like the way it came out, but, like, because I, I wanted to do some really obscure stuff, and also wanted to do stuff that people kind of knew, like, Elvis Costello, Nick Lowe, so, that stuff was kind of fair, you know, but, like, Like stuff like the Crash Street Kids. the Thumbs and those those songs, like, those were really obscure songs that, like, Dan and I kind of were big fans of, so, because I kind of wanted to, like, for me, like, that's how I got into a lot of power pop stuff, was, like, like these, like, really obscure comps and, like, these old singles you would find in record stores, and like a used bin for a dollar, and you'd find these really cool songs on them, and Dan and I loved that. We would always, like, buy these really weird singles to try to find really cool songs, so... For me, I was, I was at least for me. I, that's why I kind of wanted to do some obscure stuff. Just cause I figured, well, maybe if some kid buys the record and hears the song, he can find out who did it and go go find the original version, you know. And because that, that's how I got into a lot of bands. I'd hear these a band cover a really cool song, or and then I'd try to track down the original.
4: Speaking of That's covers, cool. man, I had never. You posted a video in our group page the other day, and it was a Weasel show, but they covered "Fucking Come On, Come On, Cheap Trick." I'd never heard them do that before. Yeah, they That's did awesome. that. I
3: think they only, I only think they did that once. They actually used to do some really cool covers. They one time they covered I don't know if you remember is a '60s song. Well, it was done in the '60s. It was called "Red Rubber Ball." Yeah, I've heard mm-hmm. that. It was done by The Circle. Like, I think it's gonna be all right. That's it's like that, and yeah. they covered that for a little while. And, um, God, yeah, they would, they would do really obscure covers every now and then they would do like, yeah. um, well, they, like, they, they played the teenage head cover once when I saw them, which, which they recorded Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and like, but yeah, they went in the background, like around punk house, like when Dan joined the band, it seemed like they would do kind of like, yeah, like the cheap trick, come on, come on, which I thought they did a cool version yeah, that's of. That's great. Yeah. And stuff on there, but yeah, they, um. And Sludgeworth would do. Sludgeworth is another band that did really. They actually did a really cool Cheap Trick cover of this song called "Voices." Oh yeah, yeah. They did a really cool version of it, and they covered the Goo Goo Dolls' "There You Are." They did a Jawbreaker Uh cover, and they covered Ted Nugent. Sludgeworth (laughs) would do really weird covers. They would just like cover really weird stuff in the band. What
4: Nugent song did they do,
3: man? They would do um. Doesn't, Doesn't matter. Yeah, they would cover um, free-for-all. Ted Nugent free-for-all. Oh, they would cover uh, it a lot. And I think they did it more of joking, a yeah. joke kind of thing, but like...
4: Did anyone shoot any arrows or anything like that?
3: <laughs> That'd be kind of funny if Dan did. <laughs>
4: Dan's up there with like a crossbow and
3: shit.
0: Not even Vapid <laughs> can save that fucking song.
3: I know, yeah. I don't care how... Yeah, no one can save that song. Yeah, There's certain I fucking songs hate that... Nugent. I don't care how good of a band you are. A shitty song is a shitty song, and that's a shitty song. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't heard
4: that one. I, I'm gonna have to. Is that on video? One of your videos?
3: Actually, I do. I do. I'll post it. I think there, I I think there's a video. I'll I, I'll dig, I'll find it and I'll post it. <laughs> that I think I'd, I'd like to have see. A video <laughs> that. Yeah. Because wow. actually, Sludgeworth used to do Screeching Weasel covers too. I'll po- actually there's a video. I'll I'll, I'll post it later tonight. Cool. Where they do slogans and my right they used to cover Sludgeworth. Wow. Because when they first started, everyone knew Brian and Dan from screeching weasel so people would always yell screeching weasel songs and they would play but Dan would always be like well we didn't write these songs so we're not going to play them but then finally they would just be like fuck it okay we'll play them so they would cover like my right and slogans it's like well, that. So Dan, there's a video Dan I'll post, sang, I'll post, them? Dan sang them That's yeah cool. <laughs> it's like that so um yeah i'll post one tonight i know i have i'll post That's on awesome, there
4: dude I can't really picture Dan singing slogans,
3: but I I would love to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because he he tries doing the backing vocals and the lead vocal at the same time, <laughs> so he he pulls it off somehow because you know he he'll try he'll stop singing the lead vocal to do the backing vocal and something like that. But like um yeah, Dan, you did a good job. I thought That's singing cool, and like that, you know. But like you know, I mean, I don't know if they were doing it more as a joke, but they played him really well. I thought though, but like those people were just yelling because. At the time, Sludgeworth—they didn't—I think—they didn't even have a record out yet. So people really didn't know their songs that well. So people would just yell screechy Weasel" at them, you know, 'cause they wanted to hear a song. So.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> wow. So, Mike, out of all the Methadones records, dude, like, which one's your all-time favorite?
3: Um, I've I've always been real partial and not economically viable. Me
4: too, dude. Just because I
3: think that's that's Dan. I thought Dan. That was Dan's best collection of songs, as far as on one record. I thought <laughs> he just like wrote. I thought I, I like that's an album that like pretty much every song on there. He I think do it like I'm trying to think if he wrote. He may have wrote every song. Like he, I, Pete may have co-wrote one, or I may have helped. But even even when Dan, Dan was very kind with his co-writing credits, like even like on the you don't know Him anymore. The only thing I came up with in that song was that little lead. Dan, yeah. That, that rest, that's that's all Dan basically. I I don't think I even deserve a credit on that song. Cause, <laughs> but Dan's very Dan was very kind with giving credits. So like um, but with not economically viable though. That pretty much was note for Dan brought those. So, I mean like like the leads like the, like I would come up with some of the leads, but you know I don't, I don't think you deserve a songwriting credit for a lead. But um, but yeah, everything. But Dan pretty much brought all those songs in pretty much. I mean, those songs were like, I, I, I mean, they weren't finished songs. Like a lot of times you'd bring in a rough sketch and we'd play it a few times of practice and mess around with it. But Dan always pretty much knew where he wanted the song to go or where he wanted stuff in him though. But that, that album though, I thought he really like, he really outdid himself on that. At least me, that's what I thought at least.
4: Yeah. Hell yeah, man. I love that shit.
3: Hey, it's Greg Norton with Porcupine. Uh, a long time ago, you might remember me from a band called Who's And you are listening to The Dummy Room. So,
2: Nate.
4: You were saying earlier you got some kind of a Sweet 16. What's going on, man?
0: Yeah, Mike, uh, you agreed to do a Sweet 16?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. I... I, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with what it is, but I'm game for it, though. All right, Sweet 16. Hey,
2: bud. let party. Sweet
1: 16.
0: All right, Jody, you want to explain the game?
1: Okay,
4: so we're going to do a sweet 16
0: of what, Nathan, methadones? Fucking methadones. Okay.
4: One of the greatest bands cool. of
0: all time. We'll take uh, 16 methadone songs and we'll kind of bracket style them together and uh, we'll come up with a winner.
4: So basically, cool. we'll, we'll uh, be presented with uh, two songs and we vote for what we like the most, right? Yep. And then okay, if it, it wins, it advances to the next round.
3: So you want me, you want me to vote on it?
4: Yeah, the
0: three of us uh, will okay,
4: and it'll cool. be majority okay, cool. rules.
3: Okay,
0: cool. Sounds good. Yeah, it'll be yeah, Um, So, came up with this last night. My friend Heather uh, put all the songs together. I, you know, randomized them today, and uh, here we go. Round one. First one is Far Away against Falling Forward. Damn. Two of my fucking um, favorites. <laughs> I'm going
3: to go with Far Away.
0: You would be correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say far away too. So far away, will win that one. Yep. All right. Next up is "Say Goodbye to Your Generation" versus Million Miles."
3: Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. The reason I always say this is because we always "Say Goodbye to Your Generation." I had to play. It, you know, it's a great song. I love the song. I'm gonna go with Million Miles."
4: Hell yeah, me too.
3: <laughs> me too. Look at that. Great minds think alike. Yeah. And already, like I, I I love both songs, but like Say Goodbye to Generation, it's like Cheap Trick. I'm sure Cheap trick, it gets hates playing Surrender, probably. You know, there's <laughs> certain, you know, there's, was, and that was the one song that we always had the pl- we always felt like we had to play. Yeah. I and mean, it was a fun song to play, but like, I always cut about a million miles of this song, we only played live a few times. And so it's one of those songs that I've always really liked, but like, yeah, I just never. We never really played live for some reason, so uh, yeah, I would go a million miles.
4: Oh yeah, that's sounds awesome. great. Hey Mike, what'd you think of the Manji's cover of Generation? Did you dig that?
3: I like it. It's kind of it's it's cool. It's weird because like I've never been like Methadones was kind of the first band I've been in where like bands covered songs of a band I played in. Yeah, it's, it's so flat. It's flattering and very cool to hear like a band cover song. I, I really like their version of it. They're, yeah. they're, they're such nice guys and a great band. So totally. it's, yeah, I liked it.
0: Yeah, me too. Sorry Nate, I just was curious. No. You're good. Uh, Next up is Turning Up the Noise versus You Don't Know Me Anymore. You know where I'm going.
3: I'm going to go with You Don't Know Me Anymore.
0: Me too. Me too.
3: (laughs) Wow, look at that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Sorry to Keep You Waiting versus Already Gone. Damn, that's a tough choice.
3: (laughs) Wow, you threw me a curveball on this one. Mm. Um. See, for me it's hard because like I try to think of a song this song as as I like the song also like playing wise like in the ba- I'm gonna this this time I'm gonna I'm gonna go with already gone I think
4: hmm Nate what do you got
0: mm, I, I gotta go with uh sorry to keep you waiting okay so it's on me to break
4: the tie then yep uh I think you know. I really love Already Gone, and I like the fact that it mentions the like stars down on Del Mar here in St. Louis, but um, I was telling Nate earlier, one of the times we played with you guys, we were, it was us and you guys and the copyrights down in Carbondale, and it was maybe a month before uh, Not Economically came out, uh-huh. and you guys played Sorry to Keep You Waiting, and I just thought it was so fucking good, and it was stuck in my head for like another month until that damn record came out. I just... <laughs> So when it finally came out, I went straight to that song because I'd been waiting. It had been stuck in my head for like a month, dude. And uh, <laughs> it's always been one of my big favorites.
3: Cool. Oh, I no, I love it too, actually. I do. I, I, I've i always loved that song too.
4: Great little lead part too, man.
3: Oh, cool. Thanks.
4: So that will move forward then, right?
0: Okay. Yep. Cool. Um. All right, next up is Poor Little Rich Girl versus I Believe... And it's the acoustic version.
3: Hmm. Mm. I'm gonna go with "I Believe Acoustic."
0: Nate, I believe Acoustic takes it.
3: Yeah, I would have said <laughs> that too. It's
0: a fucking great song,
4: man. I like it better electric, but I like it better as a song than the other one, just in general.
3: Yeah, I kind of do too. I mean, like, I, I'm glad we recorded the electric version of it because it was kind of Dan's idea to do that too, and you kinda like, you kind of like. Like I think I want to have a full because we did it live a few times before we recorded the the, the full band version, and we kind of always liked the way it sounded live, so I'm kind of glad we ended up recording the full band version too.
4: Yeah, it's good.
0: All right, what you got now, Nate? All right, this is where shit gets real serious. <laughs> uh, we got self destruct versus Ariel. <laughs>
3: oh, um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Ariel.
4: I'm going self destruct one of my favorites
0: i love both songs but uh, i gotta go ariel
3: damn and self-destruct yeah. was actually the very last song we wrote actually that's like the last song as a band we did it was kind of yeah. ironic because it's called self-destruct and the band kind of self-destructed in a way, <laughs> but you know the, the, the story behind that, that was, we were at practice and that song just kind of started as a riff dan was playing and we just kind of just everyone kind of made their own parts up and dan had the lyrics within like a half hour. Every the whole song was done like in like a half hour.
4: Wow. It
3: that's was a kind of one. it started. I was just kind of a jamming kind of thing. we were just at practice, kind of just like trying to get levels on the guitars and bass, and just kind of like a couple songs kind of came out from that doing it that way. But yeah, that song I remember we just kind of just started playing, and Dan just kind of really kind of took it and really and just finished it all up. And yeah, I like the way. Yeah, I do like. Yeah, that's that's, that's a tough call between those two songs.
4: Yeah, has epic woeage
3: yeah oh definitely yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: alright Nate what you got next up we got undecided versus murmurs in the dark
3: oh I'm gonna go with undecided
0: me too that's where I'm going Yeah. Some kicks ass absolutely and the final one for the first round is uh, getting older losing touch versus mess we made I'm, you to, I'm just gonna write it in so. <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go with uh, "Messy Made."
0: Yep, yep,
4: that one's too obvious. Mess We Made" is just one of those perfect fucking little songs, you know.
1: Fucking rules.
3: Yeah, that, yeah that's yeah, yeah, that's another song that Dan pretty much came in. That song he came out to practice, and that song was pretty much completely like written. He had that one.
0: So when he, I got a question. When when Vapid shows up at practice with a song like that. Does he come in with just like a big smile and just he just knows that he's got this fucking masterpiece in his back pocket or what? He kind of (laughs)
3: he's like Dan's kind of a Dan's a really kind of shy guy, so he kind of just is like real kind of like kind of kind of quiet and just kind of like. Oh yeah, I got this here. I want to play this for you guys. Let me know what you think. He'd always ask us, like he'd always say, like, I, let me know what you think of this. And every time I knew he was gonna say that, I knew he would have a, something great because I just knew he would. So he never disappointed. I thought when you like when you do that, but he always kind of like it was. I always thought it was kind of funny because he'd always kind of come in and just kind of real quiet and just be like, you know, like, oh yeah, I, I was playing around with this earlier. Let me know what you think. And you'd play it, and I'm like, we'd be like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hell yeah. That's awesome. Hey. I- I got a feeling that in his head he's like thinking, "I'm gonna blow these fuckers' minds."
3: <laughs> I, I, I mean, I would, I th- like, I would like to think that, but like Dan is really is just kind of really like mellow and stuff. So it's like, I mean, I, I think, and he even admits this. He's very like he overanalyzes stuff a lot. Like when it comes to like songs, like he like there's times he'll play me something and I'd be like, "Wow, that's great," and there'd be like a little part he'd be very kind of unsure about, and he'd be like, "I just don't know about this part," and I would try to convince him like. Dan, it's great. It's great. Trust me. But like, he and this not all the time. There's most of the time he was pretty confident, but there's times he would, it'd be something really small that would bother him. But like, and he would eventually work it out and something like that. But like, yeah, he would, he would, he would, you know, admit even too sometimes he would like really over, like, you know, just think about it. And like, I don't blame him though. Cause I mean, they're his songs, you know, right. it's like, you know, so it's like, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't blame him for being that way too. I'm kind of the, I'm a little that way with certain things, but like, you know, Dan was only kind of like, you know, he would, you know, but like I saw when we lived together, I would see, you know, I'd I would hear him working on songs sometimes and it was it always amazed me. I'd just hear him like I hear him playing guitar in the other room and I'd be like, Jesus Christ, man. I'm like, where is he coming up with this stuff? <laughs> I'm like, I swear to god, it was just unbelievable.
0: <laughs> awesome. Round 2. All right, so round two, uh, we're going with, uh, starting out with Far Away versus A Million Miles.
3: Hmm. Oh, I'm going to lean towards Far Away.
0: Yeah, Nate, what do you got? Far Away. It's my favorite methadone song, dude. (laughs) I knew that already. (laughs) (laughs) It is a classic. All right, so uh, next up is You Don't Know Me Anymore versus... Sorry to keep you waiting. Damn, dude.
3: Ooh, I'm going to actually go with sorry to keep you waiting on this one.
0: Mm, fuck. Uh, what do you got, Nate? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with uh, you don't know me anymore. Damn, huh?
3: dude.
0: So you're going to make me decide this? Yep.
3: Thing? Ball's in your court. Fuck.
4: I, well, I told you how much I the story <laughs> behind sorry to keep you waiting. I'm going to stick with that one, I think. I love that one, but You Don't Know Me Anymore is my favorite on that record, on Career, for sure. I love that fucking song. I love that little lick, too, man. I think you do deserve credit for that lick.
3: <laughs> yep. Cool, thanks.
0: So waiting takes it, huh? All, All right. right. So next up, we got I Believe versus Ariel.
3: Hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Ariel on this one, I think.
4: I think I am, too
0: it's a great mm, song yeah it's gotta be Ariel for me final one for round two undecided versus mess we made
3: hmm you know what i I think i'm gonna go undecided on this one
4: really i'm gonna say mess we made and nate you're gonna have to
0: make things right (laughs) uh it's sorry mike mess we made
3: oh i don't (laughs) know (laughs) worry i I agree too i mean it was a tough call
4: yeah it's amazing when you when you really look at this, even just these 16 songs, man. They're all so fucking good. It's just unbelievable.
3: Cool, thanks. I'm glad yeah. you guys like them. Thank you. Round three.
0: All right, uh, round three starts with Far Away versus Sorry to Keep You Waiting. Mm. Mm,
3: okay, I, I think I'm going to go Sorry to Keep You Waiting on this.
0: Oof. We know where Nate's going.
3: I know. Yeah, I know he's a fan <laughs> of Far Away. So.
4: Both really great songs, but I gotta go. Sorry to keep you waiting.
3: Oof. Sorry, oh, Nate. Really?
4: Wow. <laughs> song is just so good. That's all right. It is a great song. You know what's weird all is right. I remember at that show that that I was just telling you about a couple rounds ago. I oh,
3: Carbondale was that? Was that Hangar Nine? Yeah, Hangar yeah. Nine, the old yeah.
4: one before they moved yeah, the old
3: I love that was a great. I love a great place. Yeah, that yeah. Old one.
4: they'd have those old styles ready to roll.
3: Oh man, the drinks are so cheap there. Yeah, was was college, you know, any college town. Yeah, God, I mean, oh God, I I, <laughs> I never remember leaving that club because I'd be so blind drunk. <laughs> yeah.
4: What I remember the the most about that show was your fucking chucks, dude. I don't know how they stayed on your feet.
3: Oh, yeah, they were all torn up. I they were, like, the most on. torn up
4: I've ever seen anybody have right. on their feet. I,
3: I don't know why. I, don't I know thought why it was I did, cool. I, I, I kept them on for so long. But, yeah, I used to duct tape them on yeah. tour. Like, I thought it was just too cheap to buy new shoes, I think. I just, like, because at the time I was such a heavy drinker. I was like, well, I need to buy booze or new shoes. Right. So I was like, I'm going to go with booze on this one.
4: So... <laughs> I just remember thinking, damn, dude, I've never seen anyone make them last that long. It was cool.
3: Oh, I mean, they were. It got to the point where the soles, I mean, literally, it was like the socks, it was like the sock and the floor. It was like there was no bottom to those <laughs> shoes anymore.
4: Great. That <laughs> was a fun club, though, yeah. I like oh, that, that was
3: great. Every time, we, every time we played Carbondale, I always had a fun time. That oh, yeah. was always so much fun down there.
0: Yeah, it's a good time. All right, so what's next, Nate? We got Ariel versus Mess We Made. <sighs> Ooh. that's tough
3: I'm gonna go with Mess We Made
0: Nate what do you got well, I'll just make it difficult Ariel it's a <laughs> tough one I love both <laughs> these songs
4: Mess We Made is way better
0: oh okay here we go <laughs>
4: The Methadones have always been my favorite project of Vapids, like of all the different bands he's you know, that he was the singer for. Obviously oh, Weasel's yeah. probably my favorite of everything he's done, but
3: Oh yeah. Well the funny thing is too is like out of all, I think for all of us in the band, it was also our longest running band all four of us were in. Because
1: like band, Sludge- dude. Sludge- Sludge-
3: Sludge- Sludgeworth was only three years they lasted screeching weasel technically lo- was longer but not as an active band though because yeah, they only right. they didn't really play live after 93 they barely played live so yeah. like um so like methadone was 10 years all four you know we were in that band for so like you know and it was 10 active years like we never really took a break yeah. in the 10 years so it's uh, kind of ironic though like it was like you know because you know we always had people coming to the shows you know Saying how much they love Dan's other bands, and I, did, I mean, I love Sludgeworth and Screeching Weasel, but like for as far as playing wise, though, it was like we the most we ever did in a band. when really, even album wise, I think wise Dan for for all his bands, I think you know outside well Screeching Weasel, obviously he probably played on more albums, maybe I don't know, I'd have to go back and look. But like yeah, Methadones though, because Methadones was really you know like, it was Dan's band. You know, it wasn't like Ben's band or like you know right. mm-hmm. it was like it was kind of Dan Dan who took the lead in that band.
1: Yeah.
4: methadone's were the shit, dude.
3: It was a fun time.
4: It it was just so unique sound, you know, you had all these different elements that, you know, it wasn't like some kind of Ramones core and it wasn't just like Screeching Weasel. It was like
3: Oh, and that's why with the lead wise I wanted to like I wanted to avoid playing those kind of leads. Like I wasn't against playing them. Like if the song needed those leads, I had no problem playing it. Yeah. But I really I really wanted to like hit, like rock leads to pop songs. Yeah, it's you great. know, it's like I thought mm-hmm. it'd be kind of a cool thing to do. I mean, not a lot of, I mean, bands were doing it, but I just, it was something that like, I know because people kind of expected us to sound like Screeching Weasel. So I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're, we might have songs that sound like it, but I wanted to kind of like, you know, put put something there to kind of throw them a curve or something like that, or, you know, or do something that like, I mean, I didn't mm-hmm. want to purposely put something in a song to make it sound different. Whatever, I mean, for me, like Dan always agreed with this too, like, you play for the song. Whatever the song needs, that's what you play for it. Right. And I just think some of those songs just needed something like like that instead of like those little three chord leads. Which I think those those kind of, I mean, those Screeching Weasel songs. Those leads sound great in those Screeching Weasel songs. Yeah. But I just didn't think they would sound great in a lot of the Methadone stuff.
4: Yeah. It was just cool that it was something new and different than everything else. You know, it was awesome. I love the Methadones. Cool. Cool. Thanks. Welcome.
2: Final round.
0: We're at the final. This is it. Final, the uh, final round.
3: Final four. Is it the final four? No,
0: it's or the final. Final. The
3: final one. The last one. Jesus.
0: <laughs> we have. Uh, sorry to keep you waiting. And mess we made. <laughs> wow.
3: Oh, I think I'm. Gonna, I, I think I'm gonna go. With sorry to keep you waiting.
0: Nate, what are you thinking? <laughs> Got to be mess we made.
3: Oh oh, oh shit! Wow, the it's, no, it's the heat's on now. Yeah.
4: Let's let's wait a second and let the suspense build.
3: Oh, build it up. Yeah.
4: Dude. <laughs> keep you all in antissa. do
3: pull a sopranos and just patient. cut this thing off now just go black right now <laughs> yeah. leave leave them wanting more
4: locked and battle bye see you next week <laughs> we'll just let's just let's just decide next week yeah yeah <laughs> i think you know for me i'd have to go sorry to keep you waiting <laughs> Big winner, I guess so, man. But
3: you know, who
4: made this list for us? Heather made that one.
0: Heather made the
3: list. It's a good list. she did. A good, she did a good job. Of, it's a good list of songs. Yeah, but she do. left
4: off some key burners, dude. Like uh, straight up pop song.
3: Oh yeah, that's a song. I don't think we ever Annie. played that live. Annie. Oh yeah, Annie. Yeah. I about suddenly Annie, cool. Yeah. I mean, suddenly, I always love suddenly cool. That's a song. Dan. Dan didn't like doing it live because it was. He thought it was too long. Yeah. But um. But I always, I always loved Suddenly Cool. Though I always thought it was kind of a, I like that. Dan, I thought it was really kind of a cool song Dan came up with.
4: Yeah. What about Take a Look? I guess you weren't on that one, so we couldn't. Really, I didn't play we, on that. We, yeah. well, we,
3: we, I, we played it live a lot. When yeah. I, the first year of the band, like all we had was the these songs, and we had Revitalized, and Are You Really for Real? I Really for Real was the first song that we wrote. Is when I joined the band, it was like that. Like I did with the band, like we, we revitalized. Actually Revitalize is the one of the first song it goes back to nineteen ninety three. Revitalized. Yeah. But um I really for real I remember that was the very first band practice, Methadones. That's the first song that we did as a band. It was I really Re- Are You Really For Real. Wow. So yeah, that was basically the first year of the band, like we did the anti flag tour, so it was just like we'd play everything off ill at ease and then do the like we'd do like nervous breakdown by Black Flag and maybe do like Revitalized or Are You Really For Real?
0: Yeah.
4: Shouldn't even have showing me the way. That's another burner. Um, take
0: a oh, look. Yeah. Take oh, a look, look was originally on the list, but uh, it got substituted for Ariel for me. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I prefer
3: Aerial. I if I had to take between the oh, two, yeah. I, I would go with Ariel also. Oh yeah. Take a look. The Illa songs, like we like, they were always really fun songs to play live. It's like I don't know why, but they were like, they were, like, like, even like, I mean, I I love the album, but like some reason those songs were always really fun to play live i don't know why
4: yeah so out of the, like the different mopes and riverdale shit that you guys would do live what was your favorite of those
3: oh god well actually there's a video i need we have a, we didn't tape it though it was method methadones played in canada in 1993 and they videoed the show because methadones the original methadone set list back in 93 was like back to you out of sight the world doesn't revolve around you. My heart won't bleed for you. Those were all songs Dan had that the methadones did, but wow. they never recorded them. They just did them yeah. live. Oh. So, like I, I my favorites, really, I love doing "My Heart Won't Bleed for You," and "The World Doesn't Revolve Around You." I, I, I just love those two songs. Oh, yeah. I, love those, I thought those were such great songs. Back to use another song. I think that, that that's one of Dan's great songs. I think "Back to You."
1: Yeah, and Nate's Nate's
3: like, um, yeah, those, <laughs> yeah, that's um big face. Yeah, those. Yeah, that's that was always a fun song to play live. I
4: had no idea those songs dated back that far. That's yeah. Cool. Oh yeah,
3: Dan had those from like ninety two, ninety three. Those Damn. were all. Yeah, those were and those were all Dan songs. I mean, Dan, that's one hundred percent Dan's Yeah. The stuff Dan sang on the Riverdales were all. Those were like not all of them. that first album. I want to say I think it's Out of Sight, and back back to you, and maybe one more. Dated back to '92, and like once I get the video transferred, and like I think Pete was trying to upload it too. Actually, he has a copy because Pete played guitar in the band at the time. Right. And um, but yeah, the whole I think that 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 show, it's like all the songs ended up on the first Riverdells album and the early in the Mopes, the the Accident Waiting to Happen album. Yeah. And they did like a cover of "Susie Is a Headbanger" and "Teenage Head Top Down." They covered. Yeah, but they only played like three or four shows for that time, but then in 95, they played a couple shows. They played one show and they recorded a four-song demo that I have a cassette of. The Our drummer had it transferred, I think, to C E and it has um, Hygiene Isle on it. Like, the like with the, oh, whatever. I, at the lineup at the time, it was Dan, Pete, um, Then he's, a guy named John played bass, and I can't remember who played drums on it. But, um, there was a song on there. That they, it was a song called Things to Occupy My Time that Dan wrote. It's a great song. I always, I always wanted to do it when I played the methadones, but Dan, I, don't think, I think Dan just wasn't into the song anymore. And then um, there was a song called I'm, We Were Gonna Murder Arthur Morar, Dan wrote. And he recorded it for Ill at Ease, and he recorded it in 95 on the demo, and neither song was ever released. And uh, the fourth song, I can't remember the name now. I have to go back and find, dig out the cassette for it, though. But I always kind of wish we would have thrown those. Even even though we like, I didn't play on them and stuff like that. I still wish it would like. I I kind of wish if the Asian Man CD. If I had to go back and redo it, I would love just to throw everything they rec- everything we recorded that never got released on there. But you know, but we were kind of constricted on time though because we needed to like get it out. We we wanted to have it out before like we played the last show and stuff. So like when trying to find original tapes, I can't. They recorded down in like Champagne, Illinois. I think they recorded that the the demo in '95. But um, but yeah, a lot like all those early like Mopes and Riverdale, like all those songs that Dan sung. They, I mean, a lot of them date back to like I think some may even go back to 1990, 91 even. Wow. Yeah. Mm, that's a I think that I think for the methadone, that if I can remember de- Dan's original whole idea was for the is he had all these songs that he couldn't do in Screeching and Weasel and he, he couldn't do in the guys was, he thought it was too pop, too like melodic and poppy for sludgeworth. So I think it was just kind of his way to kind of just have a fun side thing cuz Screeching Weasel wasn't playing out as much. Right. So it was more of a it was, it was kind of it was more of a fun thing for Dan to do like Dan could just kind of hang out with his buddies and and play and stuff and just kind of so I you know but yeah, like once I get the yeah, there's the video. Like once we get it transferred and uploaded, it's real. It's a really cool. To, it's kind of cool to hear the songs like so long ago and hear how they. I mean, they still sound pretty much the same as they did when the Riverdales and Mopes recorded them.
4: Wow, that's awesome. So sorry to keep you waiting. It's the king of all the methadone shit, according to our there sweet sixteen.
3: Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Nice. That's a that's a cool contest. I like that. that's a, that's a cool. That's a good idea. I like how you guys do that.
4: Yeah, we like we, we like to do these every once in a while. It's pretty fun.
3: Yeah, I think it's it's cool. It's a good idea.
0: Well, thanks for doing it, man. Yeah. Oh, no, thanks for Anytime. time.
3: that no, was great. Thanks for having me.
0: Hell yeah, man! This has been yeah, so uh, cool. Before we go, uh, what do you, what do you do now, Mike? Were you, you playing with like off Broadway or something still? I was or?
3: Play, yeah, I don't any now anymore. But like after the Methadones, sp- like we split up. Like I played with Kurt Baker for a little while. Nice. I played like um I played on a couple songs on his on one of his records, and then we played. I played some. Sh- he wanted to do some shows in the Midwest, so I just played a couple shows and stuff and then um yeah off broadway is like an old chicago power pop band mm-hmm. and um the singer was um off they, they like they were they were playing shows around chicago for like the last decade and so the singer had a solo album out so he needed people in the band so um sign you know guys simon lamb he plays in the damn app in the Chiefs, yeah. mm-hmm. and um so simon and i played both we, we both played guitar and Cl- with Cliff's solo band and then like towards the end it we started just basically just the set consisted mostly of Off Broadway songs, anyways. So I think our like our last couple shows we just build ourselves off Broadway to kind of like draw people in, It's like that. But actually, Off Broadway is actually back together now. They're they're playing around Chicago with like the original lineup and stuff. But Wait. um, that that was always cool though because like Dan and I were such huge we were like huge huge fans of Off Broadway. Yeah, you guys covered and, them on the pop record, right? Yeah, the full moon turn your head around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Dan and I actually Dan actually because Simon. We had a sh- Cliff. We had a show coming up, and Simon was had, he was back home in in Europe. So actually, Dan played a show with Cliff Johnson. It was me and Dan on guitar. Cool. And then um, it was just for one show, but it sounded great too because Dan was doing backing vocals with it. And um, but yeah, but off Broadway's playing now. They're playing around Chicago with like the original lineup of the band. That's cool. Cool. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I'm not I'm not playing right now in a band. I'm just kind of this like it's like the actually the probably the last like four like since. Probably since 1992, 93, I was in bands from like, I didn't take a break probably one year, from basically 92 to about 2012, 2013. Like, I was always in a band, whether it was like, even like a part time thing or something like that. So, like, once I stopped playing, it was kind of a nice break for a little bit. I kind of was like, okay, I just just need a break for a while. But I kind of, I definitely miss it now, playing in a band and stuff like that. But like it's so ha- it's so hard to start a new band because like you find people, get a practice space, and you know deal with all that stuff. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like, like I'm always looking around for stuff. So like you know like if I go if like I if I heard of something, I mean I'm totally up for doing something, but it's one of those things where I'm just kind of like just kind of taking it easy. I mean I still play guitar like all every day. I might in the par- I like I'll sit around and just kind of play around on guitar and stuff though. But like it's one of those things where it's like it's. It's so hard just to you know start something new. You know, it's like it just you know finding people and doing all that though. But like nothing, I'm. I would. I, I'd probably do it again in a second. Like if I found the right people to do it who are into doing something, I would totally be down for doing a band and stuff or or joining a band that's already playing and stuff. But like I definitely miss it though now. Like after taking a break from it for a few years, now it's like I kind of really miss being in a band again.
4: now Gotta cool. get with Vapa and do this methadones again, dude. Well,
3: actually he was in town he came up here in December. He did an acoustic show up here in December and I came up and did we did say goodbye to your generation together on Sweet. acoustic. That's cool. And something like that. So it was kind. Of, it was a lot of fun. It was cool playing with him again and stuff like that though. But like, like I said, I mean I'm always up for playing methadones reunions and stuff like that. And I don't know about the other guys. Right. Dan lives Dan lives down in St. Louis now and um or he's outside of St. Louis, yeah. I think. And um, Pete, Pete, and Susie are still up in Chicago here too. So we well, us three, we're still kind of nearby each other and stuff. But like you know, I mean, we don't we don't see each other as often. Like I saw, I, I still run into Pete every now and then at shows, and Susie, like occasionally, I'll run into him maybe at a show and stuff like that. Though, but I mean, we, we I mean, all four of us st- love doing the band and stuff. So I, w- I wouldn't rule it out. I'm sure at some point, you know we'll do something again like up do a reunion show or something cool
4: this has been really cool man but i can't believe we haven't even touched on the oh, cheats
3: yeah. I mean, yeah like yeah the cheats that i mean i guess i mean I don't know, Next time. You can, <laughs> anything you want to <laughs> ask go ahead
4: <laughs> well i mean what why aren't you doing it now
3: um it was kind of a it kind of was a weird thing at the end towards like like i kind of i wasn't burnt out but like see the thing with the methadones was is like like one of the things that we got, I, I could have burnt me out at least was we like our shows were coming really like we were doing the same set list every night and i always wanted to do a different set even on tour i always thought we should do a different set list every night even even if it meant playing the same song but just doing it in a different order you know or something right because like you know you got to make it interesting for yourself on stage too mm-hmm. and so with dan Vap and the chiefs the original i mean our idea was originally was just like dan dan always talked about he was one time he wanted to go back in the studio and re-record like songs like back to you and the mopes so stuff he thought that like he was never happy with the way the first Riverdale's record sounded he some of the songs so he kind of wanted to go back and maybe re-record some songs so he talked about doing that for years and years but it was one of those things we just he just not, i don't think it was more of an idea so like when 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 the, when the Methadone split up i remember dan, like people would always ask Dan, you know would always ask dan to play like sludgeworth songs or play this So we were talking about it, going, I mean, you know, and I kind of encouraged him, like, you should just put a band together and just play songs from every band you've been in. You know, it's like, you know, who cares? if it's Even if the songs don't even go well together, you know? You could play a Sludgeworth song next to, like, a poppy song from, like, the you know one of these bands you were in. It's like that. So that was like... And Dan, like I said, I mean, Dan's got... So you asked me, and he's got so many great songs. Yeah. So, and that's... And the, when we started playing, that's what it was, basically. I mean, I don't think we even thought about doing a record even, originally. It was one of those things I think we just... I mean, we were going to do one show, I think. That was the original idea, just do a show, and that was it. And then, like... We just once we started rehearsing it was one of those things we were all kind of like man this is, fun. this is a lot of fun we should we should do this and so we did the record I mean, dan had all the songs written the whole first album was like pretty much written pretty much because those were songs dan had for like just sitting around and so we started playing live you know it was a lot of fun but to me it just it started we, we were doing the same set list every night again and so I got a little burnt out on it. I mean, it's, and it's not fair to the other guys because it's like, I mean, I mean, I was just, I was, so to me, it started becoming a little bit like, you know, just kind of like what, what burnt, me, burnt me out a little, a little bit in the methadones, but like, and at the same time, I just, I just think I was a little burnt out just in general. I mean, it had nothing to do with anyone in the band or anything. Yeah. And those guys knew it too. I could tell those guys weren't happy about me either. It just was one of those things. Like those three guys seemed like they were more on the same page than I was at the time. I was just more just kind of like, I mean, I, I loved the songs. I thought the songs Dan were bringing in were amazing and stuff. And we you know we were having fun, but like it just seemed like I could just tell the I could just tell they weren't really happy with the way I was. You know, just like at the time I had a job and I worked really early in the mornings. I had to be at at like three or four in the morning. So like after rehearsal, we used to hang out and go drinking together and stuff. And like, um, I wouldn't really hang out after rehearsal. I'd just be kind of like, I got to get home and I got to sleep and get to work and stuff. So I just think like, it just, we were all on like, that's, it was kind of like, and then like, I think the straw that basically kind of broke the camel's back was like, we had some shows in Canada and Pete and I always had a problem getting into Canada cause we both have criminal records and, um, we I've been turned away like three times at the border and Pete has too. I mean nothing major I mean it's my, my criminal charges are like criminal damage to property and disturbing the peace for like vandalism basically when I was like 22 years old <laughs> and so um so we had some shows in Canada coming up and like I don't know why cuz like they, they Canada would only say like oh you know once once 10 years passes of the crime of your conviction, you shouldn't have a problem getting in anymore. And so 10 years passed. So we were all under the assumption that like, eh, I could probably get in. And then sure enough, I got, they wouldn't let me in. So like, and so they went, and I told I'm like, they, they went ahead and played the shows as a three piece and stuff like that. And like, and I knew they were not happy about it because like, it's like that. So, and like, that was basically the straw that kind of broke the camel's back. It was just kind of like, you know, they weren't happy about it anymore. And stuff like that. And I was kind of a little burnt out. So it was just kind of like, you know what? They were like, well, I think we're going to get someone else. And I, I, I was kind of, I mean, I was bummed out, but at the same time I, I was like, well, it, it's not fair to them. If like, if I'm, I was my, I wasn't into it a hundred percent like they were. So it really wasn't fair to them for me to like, to be kind of half ass in it and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a, you know, I mean, it, 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 kind of, it was a, it, it was kind of a, a, a kind of a lousy end to it, but I don't. Rec- I mean, they, they. I mean, they still went on, and they all the. Rec- I've enjoyed all their stuff ever since and stuff. I thought it's been really cool. So, but you know, and I'm. still I mean, I. I don't. You know, I don't. I mean, I saw Dan back in December and stuff, but since he's moved, I don't really see him as often and stuff. But like, I still see Simon a lot. It's like that. So I see him pretty often and stuff like that. But that's basically what, in a nutshell, basically what happened. Though it's just like, gotcha. those three guys were definitely on the same page and I really wasn't on the same page with them.
4: Right on. Cool. Well,
3: yeah, I guess we got to wrap
4: this one up. Well, Mike, this awesome. has been pretty awesome for us, dude. Thanks for coming on, man. It's really cool.
3: Oh, thanks for having me. No, I had a great time. I, I Thank you so much. And by the way, I mean you got you guys have a great room on Facebook. That group of Facebook's great.
4: Thanks, man. Yeah, keep Thank posting you. awesome shit,
0: dude. I, I oh, don't... definitely.
3: I know. I, <laughs> now that the bans, now that the bans been lifted, I'll be posting again. <laughs> you're, you,
0: you're like a fucking treasure trove of uh, Chicago punk rock. Oh, oh, trust so cool.
3: me. I, I mean, I, my closet right next to me, I have boxes and boxes of stuff that I need to dig out. That that I'm sure you guys will really be into. So I'll, I'm like, since I'm not working tomorrow, I'm going to go through a lot of this stuff. So cool. I should have some cool stuff pretty soon. Posting. Right. Cool. On, man. I'll well, be looking for it, man. Again. Thanks so much.
4: Have a great night. Try not to freeze to death. And, uh, (laughs) we'll have you You back on sometime (laughs) in the future.
3: Cool. Take care, Mike. All right, Mike. Uh, Good talking to you.
4: Yep.
0: Bye-bye.
2: D-U-M-M-Y-R-O-O-M. That's right. It's Haley from Haley and the Crushers. And you are hanging out in the dummy room. All
0: right, man. There you go. Uh, Mike Byrne, Methadones, Dan Vapid and the Cheats, Vindictives, whoever else. That was fun, huh? That was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, that shit that that guy posts, is it's insane. It's like, it's never ending. You know, Flyers, he's got a million fucking videos. Yeah, I mean, it was he was really, you know, it's, I'm glad he documented such a cool time.
4: And, you know, in our whole bubble of punk rock, that's like a golden era, you know? And he documented all of it. So cool. He, He should make his own fucking documentary. That's what I was about to say, man. (laughs) Like your own, either a book about the Chicago pop-punk scene or, uh, you know, like a feature-length documentary. He he has the footage, and, you know, you get some... It's not that hard to record interviews these days. Even, like, most phone footage will suffice. You know
0: what I mean?
1: Mm -hmm.
4: It's doable. I
0: I think it's cool that, you know, he was, like, started going to see Screeching Weasel and whatever at age, what, 13 he said? Yeah, I mean it's like that
4: rock star story, that movie where like you're you're into the band and then the next thing you know you're playing with the guy.
0: It's that's just cool.
2: Yeah, that's
4: especially I mean vapid. Come on, one of the greatest ever. You know.
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh, So that was a lot of fun. Um, But we should uh, we should wrap her up here. This should be yeah. It's going a little Um, long,
4: but hey, man. Before we go, thanks. I got my shirts in today, so thank you.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. They actually went really fast. I just shipped them out on like Monday. Wow. So, two days, and I think cool. most, most people have them. Not everybody, but... it's pretty awesome. Yeah, so if you want one, still got plenty left, just hit us up. Yeah, dummy room t-shirts, get yourself one. They're pretty sweet. Yep, and next week, um, episode comes out on Valentine's Day, and... We got something yeah. special. Figure out what we're going to do. Yeah, we already know what we're going to do, but... It's going to be <laughs> special. For, for once, we know what we're going to do, so... <laughs> it's amazing. And weird. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Something will happen, I'm pretty sure, and we'll end up not doing this. <laughs> yeah, you never know. We just kind of, whatever happens,
4: <laughs> happens. But yeah, thanks so much for listening, everybody. I uh, hope you enjoyed that one. Next week, we'll have another cool episode for you. So make sure you stay tuned and um, do all that social shit like, share, all that kind blah, of stuff. Blah, Follow. Blah, blah. Yep. <laughs> it's our duty to <laughs> Sorry, say that, dude, that supposedly. <laughs> I don't know if it helps or not, but that's what they tell you in the podcast in school if there was such a thing. And we, we need some help, so. We could use your help. Tell <laughs> all your friends about us. I think everyone that listens already kind of does that, so thank you all for doing that. It's really cool of you. And uh, yeah, man. See you next yeah, week.
0: I'm going to go, and uh, i got to drive home in this shit. Oh, yeah, it's you like, got to fucking brave the elements here. It's It's like damn near minus 30, I think, so. You know what's crazy here? It's like it's close to
4: that, and it's like I just looked at the uh, thermostat. I have it cranked, and it's fucking sixty-four degrees in here. It's like struggling to keep this house warm in this fucking crazy weather.
0: That sucks, man.
4: Dude, I'm gonna pull out. I have a couple of those like radiator style heaters. You know, you can. Mm -hmm. They're like forty bucks at Walmart or whatever. I got a couple of those. I'm gonna have to break those shits out, dude. It's fucking cold in here.
0: Yeah, hopefully the heat's working when I get home. <laughs> I'm dude. assuming it is, but yeah. Yeah, well, be careful in this shit, bro. For real. Yeah, th- this sucks.
4: So you got like but a breakdown kit of blankets and shit just in case. I don't want you freezing out there if
0: something bad happens. I ain't got shit like that. No, no, Anything. we're good though. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so, all right, man. We will. Uh, we'll see you next week.
4: Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right, dude.
0: Take care.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of The Dummy Room. We appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us. Stay tuned next week for our Valentine's Day special episode. Until then, go listen to your favorite methadone's records. Goodbye.